como 10 minutos. Okay. Nada más que eso y de ahí viene el, el, el sendero nuevamente de unos 3, 4 metros de ancho. Welcome to another edition of Strangers Abroad. This podcast is a series of conversations with the wonderful and weird people I met while backpacking throughout Latin America. These are the hitchhikers, the couch surfers, and the expats, the thrill seekers, the mountain climbers, the volunteers, and society quitters. The people who, for one reason or another, made the decision to challenge themselves, to leave behind the comforts of home, to venture out into the world, and see what happens. Here we go. This episode, this mini episode is an excerpt of our conversation with Graham Hughes, where we both get a little ranty. And I wanted to give it its own space now at a time when our thoughts about the world have been challenged. We recorded this conversation pre-Trump and pre-Brexit, so neither of us had the knowledge to know of the outcomes of these elections. But you can hear that we do have the foresight to feel that something was happening. In this mini episode, we discuss the elements that have made the world seem more dangerous than ever, coupled with the hysteria that people have against traveling due to these skewed perceptions. So as someone who was prepared to go out and travel to every country, Graham knew that it wasn't always going to be drinks on the beach and clubbing, but that he would be experiencing some severe social and economic disparities right at his feet, and seeing that throughout the world. But there were things that not even he was prepared to expect, which is where we take off. Here's the story. Are there any other things that kind of opened your eyes to, I guess you could say, the complexities of the world. You know, you don't want to paint things in the, everything's beautiful, everything's terrible, but were there some other unsettling things that you maybe have witnessed or experienced firsthand that you were like, whoa, this is different, and this well, is... You have American audience are going to hate me for saying this. Go for it. Not really in Egypt or in India where there's grinding poverty, and you see it on the streets, and you see in India... You know, you see beggars who have no eyes and they're probably, as children, have their eyes taken out by their parents so they get more money for begging. You know, you see people with no limbs on the sidewalk selling books or begging for cash. And it's it's heartbreaking. But you steal yourself for it. I mean, it's, it, it, it's terrible to say, but you expect it. You're going to a country of over a billion people which barely has enough food, which barely has enough room, which barely has enough infrastructure to keep going but what I found most shocking in all of my travels is when I was in Los Angeles in December of 2013 and I was on the metro and they only have one line and there's a guy at the entrance at the bottom of the stairs and he he is burnt and like he he, he looks like Freddy Krueger and it was horrible and he had no hair and he had a little cardboard sign that just said, help, burnt in fire, you know, burnt in fire, please help. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe that in the richest nation on earth, that there is someone so horribly injured in an, an accident isn't being looked after by the community. I found that more shocking than all the slums of India 
all the slums of Nairobi, all the all the slums of Kinshasa put together. Because I, you know, they're poor countries. I understand the economics of, you know, I don't. Obviously, I don't want them, and I don't think that, you know, in the perfect world they wouldn't exist. And hopefully, we're going to get to a point where no one has to leave, live in extreme poverty. But for an excessively rich country like America, which has money to burn, obviously, just look how much money's been spent on these elections coming up. Mm. To allow a human being to suffer like that and beg on the streets is is absolutely abhorrent. No, I agree with you. It's really interesting because... Who is a disposable body, you know? How many poor minorities died in Katrina, but Dick Cheney has a mechanical heart now and is going to live forever? So it's like this question of who is and isn't valued... Our money is, oh, it's so fucked up. In America, our money is like prioritized to wealthier people and not social issues. So government officials who are in bed with, bed with like big corporations who profit off of the oppression of specific groups, typically the poor and minorities, which is why the American, which is why the homeless population infant mortality rate and literacy rate is so high in America for a country of this wealth and, like, population. How is there no better system that's, like, working? So well, there, is, there is a better system. Well, we, we have homeless people in the UK, don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we, we suffer from the same social problems. We have gangs, we have drugs, we have a, a lot of the same issues. But there are a few differences. One of the ones is that if you're ill, the state will take care of you no matter what. Yep. Which is, which is huge, and also very liberating as well. And the, the other thing is, in, in, a, in a kind of meta level in America, there's a lot of anger in America, there's a lot of gnashing of teeth, and there's a lot of anger. You can see this spilling out of this current election cycle where you're having actual violent clashes in an election. You know, it's mind-blowing. we haven't seen for years. Um, you know, not since the civil rights movement. And, and so... What's going on? Why, why is this? And, and I think one of the big things that's happening with America is this cu- huge shift, a huge cultural shift that, and it, I'll, I'll almost call it a trauma, um, that the UK went through long before I was born, which was this. The UK used to be number one at everything. We had the biggest army. We had the biggest navy. We had the biggest empire. We had the best machines. We had the best trains. We had, you know, everything we did was number one. And then one day we weren't number one anymore. And it freaked us out. And we were like, what? Hang on, what's going on? And we had this long process of a lot of turmoil in, in the UK of, of people adjusting to their place in the world, which wasn't number one. But that's okay. You don't have to be number one at everything. But what we learned in the UK, although looking at the common government we've got, who I don't agree with in any way. I, I don't know how much they've taken this on board. But the idea that you can look at another country who's doing something better than you has a better way of doing something that you're doing. And you look at that country and say, okay, why don't we do it like that? But for a long time, the UK didn't do, it, didn't do that because they knew, they knew best. They were the number one. And the US is going for the same process now. And I think... Um, Probably the turning point was 9-11. I don't think 9-11 caused it. But I think that was the beginning of this huge economic and social downturn in the States, which has resulted in, yeah, rising infant mortality with this incredibly high homicide rate, with 
um, you know, a, a, a lower, low levels of literacy with this kind of pride some people are taking in their own ignorance. They literally don't want to know things, yeah. even though nowadays you can just go on the internet and find out whatever you want. That one's physically they painful. Have, like, the whole thing of like, who's actually saying this and why are they saying it? Because obviously, if you go on the internet, you can find an opinion that chimes at you about anything. You can find people who think the world is flat and the moon is made of cheese. Yep. Just because there's someone else out there who thinks the same way you do doesn't make it true. There's a really and great so, uh, video of someone, it's like a, it's a person who's playing Google and he's trying to, all, all I'm going to say is that Google has quotes himself by saying, just because it's on the internet does not mean that it's true. Do you know what I mean? And like, I think a lot of people perceive because the internet is still kind of a relatively new concept in the history of human technology that, oh, this seems more official. Like we know when things are fake on television, or maybe some people don't, but ostensibly we know when something is a story or not. But on the internet, there's something about like you can create because like anybody can put anything on it. You can make something look as official or not. Um, so just because it's on the internet doesn't yeah. mean that it's true. But our words are. And even, so. big, even big news um, companies like the BBC and CNN and Reuters and Al Jazeera, they can be duped. They can be duped. And it happens all the time with these daft stories. And you're kind of reading it going, is this I mean, if you were if you if you saw it on BBC News twenty years ago, you wouldn't question it. Of course, it's true. It's on BBC News. They're not allowed to lie. It's against the law. They'll lose. They'll lose all their money. Um, so, yeah, I think this is this is a huge thing that I would like to be taught in schools because I I come my background is history and politics. I have a degree in history and politics from the University of Manchester. And one of the first things that you learn, like studying history, is that you need to check your sources. You need to see who's saying this and why. Yep. And the second thing is doing politics. People lie all the time. People lie. Like some people, every other word they say is a lie, and they can be very, very convincing, very convincing indeed. And history has shown us that the more convincing these liars are, the more popular they become. This is also before fake news was the thing. And I mean, the original, this was, I wanted to say this when we were talking about news earlier. I mean, like, you're right. People don't report on, you know, lovely day in South Sudan. People are more likely to report news because the purpose of the purpose of the news originally was to talk about the unlikely events. But because we can have the news 24 hours a day now, all of these unlikely events are all being yeah. like smushed together and and blown up and magnified. So and right and it really skews our perception of like the mundane moments that happen. You know when you're in Albania or Croatia or all these ostensibly dangerous places that for the most part are just living out a normal a normal day. You know what, if, if, a, if a tourist, uh, a really awful happens to a tourist uh, from the UK, it's on fish news when yep. they're traveling. Uh, anything bad happens to an American tourist, it's on the American news, you find out about it. Whereas a whole bunch of Americans have awful things happen to them in America, and it'll never make the news. People can be murdered in America and it won't make the news. Yeah. So, 
And then also that that goes back to the endless hysteria of like the world is dangerous. It's actually kind of amazing, on especially traveling throughout um, Latin America more. How much I felt the need to just kind of like apologize <laughs> on kind of a consistent basis of like I'm so sorry about like overthrowing, um, you know, like inc- inciting political coups and like you know planting a lot of. Right, you know, or like t- completely ruining your jungles and natural resources and oppressing the local people. You know, it's like I, f- I felt a need to be like, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. <sighs> so we end this rant with a story about a beautiful connection he made with strangers from a country that is darkly painted by the Western news, Iran. A couple of days earlier, I'd been in Tehran, and um, I got chatting with a couple of guys in the Indian embassy while I was trying to get my Indian visa, and they invited me back to their place for a party. Party? Okay, cool. Done. Iranian party. Let's go. I'm in Tehran, and uh, we go back, and we, uh, we, we have a bottle of wine, which we're not supposed to have, because Iran is a, a country. That was a bit naughty, but, uh, you know, we, we, we drank this uh, wine together, and some girls came around and we were just chatting and it was like being at home. It was just like, okay, I'm out, you know, at my friend's house and we're having people around. And, and then we went out for, to get some kebabs. Yay! So we went out, for, I love kebabs. So we went out in Tehran, me and two of the guys, uh, to get kebabs for everybody. So we went out and bought a load of kebabs. And we're walking home with these kebabs. And one of the guys says to me, um, we're walking back with this guy called Arzi. He says to me, what music have you got on your iTunes? And I said, well, it's all like British indie rock and roll from the 90s, pretty much. And the Beatles. <laughs> and he said, have you got any Radiohead? I said, oh my God, yeah, I've got like, all that albums. I love Radiohead, they're my favourite band. And he said, oh, fantastic. Oh, brilliant, they're my favourite band too. I'm, I, can I get all of their albums off you? And I was like, that's right, you get all the albums off me. And he stopped. I'm singing Creep by Radiohead. And his mate joined it, and I joined it. And we're walking along the street in Tehran, Iran. And we're singing a Radiohead song. <laughs> a little tipsy on wine, eating kebabs. And I was like, this could be Liverpool, this could be Manchester, this could be London, this could be New York, this could be anywhere in the world. It, 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 this is the last place I expected this to happen. And it did. I don't I feel like everyone is saying now that the apocalypse is going to happen soon and I'm so curious as to why people are believing that the world is more dangerous than it's ever been. Because statistically, <laughs> we're at the safest point in human history on a global scale. Things are not perfect. However, the rates of homicide, dying of diseases, genocide and war are at an all-time low with an ever-growing global population. The democratization of more nations is increasing. And even though they're not perfect democracies, it's an ideology that is headed in the right direction. 
Although our global actions are showing us that our bad natures are on the decline, the news portrays looming risks are always right around the corner. And to summarize, political scientist John Mueller mentioned in a Slate article on this topic, in recent years, Americans are more likely to die of a deer collision than a terrorist attack. I feel like we may be dying less of physical ailments, of diseases, and by our fellow, like, humankind. But this psychological torture that the news is doing is like no other. The news magnifies the random acts of terror and violence that happen throughout the world. And years ago, we would focus more on a local news versus global news. So our reach is greater and more global, and we're more connected than ever before. So we know about every terrible thing that happens every moment of the day. We're at this time where physical violence is low, but psychological violence, agitation, and hysteria is high. Because when we're tricked into believing that the world is more dangerous than it is, it's easier to manipulate people. When we're hysterical, we're less likely to listen to reason and thought. Our amygdalas or emotional centers in our brains are firing off and blocking our prefrontal cortex from saying, chill the fuck out and let's think about this for a second. To go a little deeper into our psychology, we have a natural negativity bias, which leads us to pay attention to things that are bad versus good. And we're more likely to internalize it and have negativity affect our mood and perception of the outside world as a whole. So violence makes headlines. Peace doesn't. So we're dealing with a technology, this news and social media, on a 24-hour scale that we're just not emotionally mature enough to handle, coupled with this biological disposition to focus on the negative. We're kind of torturing ourselves, and people are profiting off of that. So how can we hack our psychology to avoid these downward spiral thoughts of disaster and immediate doom and save our own humanity? And I feel like if you know this podcast, you know what I'm going to say. But go outside and go talk to a stranger. And notice that when you talk to people who are ostensibly different from you, that they might be more similar than you anticipated. And that can make the world feel a little safer and a little bit more purposeful. I hope mine and Graham's stories of our global interactions show some light of how the world isn't as bad as it seems. You can read about Graham's stories with strangers from all over the globe in his new hilarious book, Man of the World, which we will link on our website. This is Strangers Abroad.